0: Saturday, it's cold here in the USA, a lot of snow, a lot of cold, i will wait for people to start coming in, uh, we got two people coming in, I didn't use the timer because the timer doesn't work anymore, so I'm not even going to use it. Every time I put a five-minute timer on, it never, it's never right. <laughs> okay, guys. Got to wait till you guys come in. Hello, you guys in the Quest of Oak Island member page. Hello, our members in Quest, the YouTube channel. We can use a few more subscriptions there. We sort of did it out. I hope you guys can help me out there. Hope everybody can hear me. I hope everybody can see me. Once you guys uh, start coming in, please comment with a hello or a hi or what's up. And uh, we have a... Uh, Guest on uh, tonight, a guest appearance of uh, Jake Roberts. He uh, did a presentation uh, for Oak Island, so he's going to give us uh, his presentation and decipher of the plaque of the uh, Shakespeare's funerary monument and discuss what's going on with that. Hello, Starlene. Hello, Patty. Here we go. Now the guys are coming in. Now you're warming up. Get your coffee and let's go. Hi, Chris. What's going on here? Oh, man. Hope everybody's having a good week. I know the Northeast, we got snow. The rest of you guys, I have no idea. Patty, glad to hear you're on tonight. Yep. Hi, Joe. How are you? Here we go. There we go. Hello, Graham. Takes a while, I guess. It just takes a while to kick in. All righty. Let me reboot that, and I'm all set here. All right, Graham. All right. Got about thirty five people in here right now. Jenny from YouTube, Connor, unbelievable. Hello, everyone. Hi, Matt. Hi, Leslie from Texas. Hello, Tim. What's up? I have uh, Judy uh, on the phone right now from Canada, and she's going to give us the synopsis of what happened uh, this past Tuesday night and uh after she says it and after she does it, later on tonight, I will post it of her outline and synopsis of the show on Tuesday night. And uh, hello, Judy. How are you?
1: I'm great tonight. and glad to be here. And uh, hi, everybody. Hope you can hear me.
0: Yep. Well, let's see if everybody can hear uh, Judy. Joe says she got 18 inches of snow in the Poconos. Cindy, hello, Cindy. Hello, Rose. Hello, Stu. Can everybody hear Judy? Before she starts, we want to get an okay on that. We gotta wait, Judy. Heaven. Yep, Graham says, Yup, she they can hear you. One guy can hear you. <laughs> Hello, Merry Christmas. Faye, Faye, how you been, Faye? Long time no here. Merry Christmas to all you guys. Yes, Matt. So, Judy, they can hear you. So uh I got your picture up. Um, anytime you want to start, it's all yours, Judy. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Well it was a great show Tuesday night, fellow members. Again, a lot of info to take in, but all of it very interesting. I have watched the show twice, so I could ingest it all. It's a new day on Oak Island and Rick, Terry and Charles are dwelling are drilling at the money pit. They are looking for the vault and must get down one hundred and seventy five feet to find the void, then down to 220 feet where they think the vault has settled. It's time to find it. Now to the war room where Marty and Rick are listening to Erin Hilton expand on her theory using the info sent to her from last week's show. She believes the anchor stones found last week are markers on a master grid that lead to the money pit. Using the 700 year old Templar cross along with a measuring square, Aaron forms lines that line up with the anchor stones and the stone triangle in the upland area that was destroyed by Robert Redfield years ago. Aaron says the cross is a protractor hiding the key to the money pit. And I'd like to know what all of you think about that. Using more of Zena's info, Erin continues to study her theory. Back to the swamp where Ian and Rick are looking for man-made anomalies in a southeast corner. As Ian probes the water, he hits muck, then an area of flat rocks, and then a drop-off of three meters. Ian is sure it's man-made and he and Rick wonder if this is a wharf, a road or a pathway as it runs in a perfect line. They believe it to be 20 feet wide by 70 feet long. Is it related to the paved area found last year? More searching is needed. The next morning at the research center on the deck Ian, Alex, Tony and Marty make plans to go out in the water off the boulderless beach to see if they can reconstruct the island as it would have been in the 12 to 1600s. They will use sonar to do the search. Now to Lot 15 where Gary, Doug, Steve and Rick are looking for ring bolts like the ones found by Fred Nolan many years ago. Fred also found pieces of a ship at that time. As Gary is metal detecting, they find what looks like a piece of iron off of a pot belly stove, like the ones used on ships for heat in the past. Later, Carmen Leggy tells Alex, Peter and Jack that that is just what it is. Next, we find Alex, Ian and Tony, aboard Tony's boat as they navigate the shoreline off of the the swamp, Smith Cove and Isaac's Point. They are able to determine where the shoreline might have been in the 12 to 1600s. Also, the sonar detects what could be the remains of a wharf that could be connected to the man-made anomaly in the southeast corner of the swamp. They are then shocked to find what looks like a shipwreck. Hopefully, we find out just what that is when they do their dive on the site next week. The show ends with Alex and Tony filling Rick, Marty, Jack, Peter, and Doug in on their finds offshore. Doug says that in older aerial maps, what uh, what does look like a wharf does show up on those maps. Marty okays the dive. Eyes and fins on the ground, as Rick says. And I will see you next week when we all get to see Rick's new haircut.
0: Fantastic, Judy. Fantastic job. I love it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Can I say yep. happy Merry Christmas to everybody? Yeah, no problem. And yeah, for all those around the world, if you're celebrating a different holiday, may it be merry, may you have time with your family, have a happy new year, and I hope it's good for all of us, and please, please stay safe.
0: Right, thank you so much. Thank you're you welcome. so much.
1: Okay, yeah, bye-bye. All right,
0: bye-bye. That <laughs> Judy, she's fantastic. Let me get this branding off here. Okay. How was that, guys? Very good. Very, very good. A lot to take in. But like I said, I'll post that outline uh, tonight later on so everybody can see the outline. Now, waiting in the wings is Jake Roberts. He's a theorist. He was presented in the war room remotely on Oak Island. He's part of the team. Now he's part of our crew also. Let's welcome. Let's welcome him aboard. Where'd he go? Let's welcome Jake Roberts to the crew.
2: Merry Christmas, everyone. Hello, everybody. Great job, Great job Judy. That was awesome. <laughs> so good. Great to be here, John. Thanks. I'm
0: glad I'm glad you can make it. I'm glad you can make it. Usually how I start out with, this is like a standard question for all you guys. I mean, it's just a repeat question that I love the backstories of Oak Island, their team, and what happens. How were you or how did you approach them or did they approach you on your theory? You know, how was the connection made with the TV show, Jake? All yours.
2: Well, you know, um, they asked me the same question and I, I I give the same answer every time I blame (laughs) Chris (laughs) Dona. He he sucked me into this and uh, he he just texted me uh, this morning and he said, you said, yeah, my, my wife's name is Audrey. And she said, or he said, uh, I really owe Audrey for this, don't I? And I said, uh, trust me, she'll she'll let you know. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, I saw him. Uh, he and I have been friends for years. Uh, we we're colleagues. We work together. Okay. And when when I saw his episode, um, you know, he he said a phrase, uh, uh, the Royal Arch, and uh, that's that's ex- kind of fell into what I had always believed was really going on on Oak Island. And I I emailed him and I said, hey, you know, you said this, and this is what I think is going on. And he said, "Oh, you should write that up." And this is where you send it.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: And so, um, you know that that's what happened. You know, we uh, and you know we started talking. We you know we hang out a lot now. And um, I don't know. It, it's that's what kind of got me started. You know, I sent an initial theory that was really embarrassing and terrible. And uh, then you know I, I refined it, and I was able to start using the right tools in order right. to. Uh, Try to put an X on the map for the guys of what I thought was going on uh, in terms of what I interpreted as the symbolism of the Island. Yep. And, um, and so after a while, uh, you know, uh, after I started working with uh, Shakespeare's plaque, I won't be presenting any of that information tonight. Uh, I'll be talking a little bit about uh, Bacon's ciphers and, um, you know, just the surface of the plaque itself. Right. Uh, but, you know, um, once I really started working with that, things fell into place. And, and Chris and I kept heckling them saying, hey, listen, we, you really got to see this stuff. It's amazing. And so they finally said, yeah, yeah, we, we got to see this. It sounds interesting. Uh, and so we did, a, you know, a, a remote presentation and uh, they, they they really enjoyed it. And um, and so then a little while later, I did another one with uh, Aaron Helton and, uh, and Chris and and so, uh, at that point, um, I, I found myself kind of sucked into this little uh, enclave, if you will, of, of theorists uh, of, of uh, Chris Dona, myself, uh, Aaron Helton, and of course uh, Chris Morford and Corey Mall. Uh, great, great people to think with. Uh, so many, in, in, in and what, what's really wonderful is uh, you know you have that caliber of of theorists, uh, yep. and we're all kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. Um, I you know I haven't been as as engaged recently simply because I, I've been trying to finish my book uh, right. on the plaque, and um, but we're still able to you know uh, bounce ideas off from each other. We have a little space where we're sharing information now. Um, <clears throat> we haven't all clear to collaborate from you know headquarters and right. So as as Aaron as Aaron used to uh, had said uh, she had this really great phrase for it when we all first started talking. She says. You know, we're all in these kind of little silos, right, yep. where we're, we're, we're sequestered from one another. And, you know, and we all really wanted to just share our information with each other. And and the team on Oak Island wanted us to do that. So now those avenues are opening up where we have have the ability to do that. So, uh, right. And we, like love I said, it I,
0: that we love it that you guys are putting X's all over the place. X's in the swamp. X's below the swamp. X's on the island.
1: And well, you know,
0: turns uh, uh, direction on boulders and lines. Oh, oh yeah. my god. If Johnny wasn't confused before seven years ago,
2: <laughs> I'm totally confused now. Well, you know, um, once we started all really kind of sharing the info, we, we realized that we were all kind of on the same thread of stuff. And you know? um, and so we're yeah, yeah, we're able to put plenty of X's on the map, that's for sure. And when we do, they you know, we're assured that with due time, and hopefully they'll all be checked out. So right. that's, that's I, exciting. It's fun.
0: And I'm hoping the plus out of this nasty COVID delay, this plus, I think, is for people like you and the theorists that have these ideas that are pliable, get the chance to give them an idea outside the box. I don't know if this was a regular season, gun season, that you would have this opportunity. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. You know, um, that's such a great observation uh, you made. And the idea is that you know I'm I, I tend to be kind of a lateral thinker. I, I tend to do I, I think outside of the box in that sense. Um, and um, so you know my, my theory you know you know came out of left field in a way, uh, and yet it still is not um, mutually exclusive to all of the other theories that are out there. Uh, in fact, it, it dovetails quite nicely into all of them. So um, you know, like I said, I I think that um, whether or not you know uh, any of my presentations ever make it on the show, I mean, as a theorist, you know, and you you go and you present, you you don't know if or when (laughs) it's ever going to be on TV. Which you know, uh, honestly, uh, I don't care. I I, I'm in it just for the truth. Uh, I hear you. But a
0: lot of times, uh, the theorists say it took ten years for me to do this. And the show just took out the show just took out a two minute piece out of context, and now they spend the next three years trying to explain. No, this is not what it meant. This is what the TV people do. I mean, we got to understand it's a TV show yeah. ratings and such on the one side, and you guys that are dead serious and do all this uh, research wish they would pick out permanent points that are direct <laughs> and precise, not just a piece that just comes out of left field. You know what I mean, Jake?
2: Well, oh, I know exactly what you mean. And what's funny is, uh, you know, we've all been kind of joking about that because, you know, the public and, and the fans and what they get to see on TV is a tiny fragment of, of the depth and breadth of the work. That, I mean, what what everyone saw of, of Chris and Corian's theory, you know, there was so much left on the editing room floor, I think, um, that – you know, when when all of a sudden, you know, they we're all sharing ideas on Facebook right. and bantering back and forth and talking to fans and, right. um, all you know, <laughs> uh, Corey was joking. Is you know, uh, this is what happens when your face is on on you know a, fa- a famous TV show because yeah. all of a sudden there there are people who are trying to pick apart you know he and Chris's yep. theory and and yep. um, you know it's and we we joke about it. it it's funny, but and, and luckily, I mean, no one knows who the heck I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jake, which is great. So Jake, uh, I, I can post whatever I want. No one's making fun of me yet.
0: Jake, now they know.
2: <laughs> well, you know, enjoy, consider, enjoy, consider enjoy, the, following.
0: Enjoy, yeah, the, enjoy the PMs. I'll, I'll give <laughs> you mine if you need some.
2: <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I'm going to be fine, John. I'll, I'll be, <laughs> okay, I'll be good. Thanks. Thanks.
0: But uh, it's a pleasure uh, for you coming on tonight. And obviously we're Corian Thanks. and Christopher. Once they get like, they can clear the air a little bit more. they will be more on, even with you guys. Yeah. Once you've got the okay or something's aired, or that we can talk more about it. Like Erin, she can't come on right now. It's just too hot of a topic right now. Yeah. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. She understands that. My members understand that. But the minute we get an okay, boom. Then she can explain her side if she likes to be on live. I'm not sure. Um, right. And uh, at least give her the opportunity. You know, here it is. Uh you want to say I'll put her on, the, the, spot. Put her on, on the,
2: the spot. I, I, think she, I, I think she'll want to come on. I'm, I'm just saying.
0: Did you hear that, Erin? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, if we want to start getting into your
2: theory a little bit, um, Jake. Uh, we can if you want. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, and the thing is, Jen, it, I, I want to be clear, you know, what I'm presenting tonight um, is not, you know, my Oak Island theory because I can't. You know, right. I, I signed an NDA, and, right. you know, so I have to be very careful about what I do share Right. Uh, tonight, what I really was hoping I would do is do what I wasn't able to do for the Oak Island team. Um, I basically gave a three-hour presentation in one hour. And then after I went, Chris Dona gave his three-hour presentation in one hour. Right. And so, you know, we went back-to-back, and, it, you know, our, our our theories, you know, right. uh, now we this, were working together on this. Does so, your bacon
0: theory tie in with Peter Armstrong at all? I mean, does that – Peter,
2: Evans? Um, yeah, um, in, in fact, uh, th- there is a lot of overlap there okay. in terms of, of, well, I mean, it's Shakespeare, right. okay? Um, you know, there there are elements of of all of that, and, and along with uh, Bacon's ciphers uh, in particular. What I was going to show tonight was uh, what I called, you know, literally the surface of uh, Shakespeare's funerary uh, my, um, monument plaque memorial plaque excuse me okay um, and so <clears throat> when we look at it um it's uh one of those things where uh, i'm just looking at the surface i was going to explain to people how the bacon ciphers work uh and kind of demonstrate an answer of uh, whose name is actually encoded in the plaque and uh what i did was uh I actually deciphered multiple ciphertexts in that, that are embedded in the plaque, and uh, Bacon, Francis Bacon, does take credit for writing all of them. Okay, so, you want me to? Bring uh, I was just going to show, show you. It. Yeah, go ahead, and bring in my presentation if you can.
0: Is that how you you want it? Like that?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That'll work.
0: Okay, Jake, sure. take over.
2: All right. So, um, those of you who are unfamiliar with the plaque, this is what it looks like. Uh, Shakespeare's funerary monument, um, you know, has this bust and and, and so on. And underneath the bust of Shakespeare uh, is this plaque that you see here before you. And so, you know, I took an interest in this simply because, uh, like I said, you know, there are a lot of other researchers who who dug into it primarily Peter Dawkins, who is probably the, uh, preeminent Bacon scholar and, and, and expert in this field. Uh, uh, you just mentioned uh, Peter a- uh, uh his work with the first folio and, and how he tracked down uh, um, his mercy point on mm-hmm. Oak Island. It's yep. all associated with that as well. And of course, Chris Morford, I'm going to be actually showing some of his work a little bit later uh, with his permission and Chris Dona, uh, something that Chris Dona did with uh, uh, Peter Edmondson's, uh work and Chris Morford's work. Uh, where he independently found something. I'm, I'm going to be revealing that tonight. It's really kind of cool uh, what Chris has been able to do. Um, I, you know, I shared a lot of my information with Chris, and what he did was he used completely different techniques to not only confirm, you know, what I've done, but also confirm a lot of the uh, ciphertext messages. Very good. Uh, kind of cool. Uh, he, he's he's such a great researcher. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I did find a ciphertext-related to Oak Island, and I'm obviously will definitely not be um, uh, revealing any of that tonight. Uh, So I I decided to give this a try uh, and using a a completely different approach that that no one else had done. And so I I had seen that this old approach that a lot of people were using had had kind of given some really interesting correlations and and results, but I thought they were somewhat limited. And so I, I felt that I understood what kind of a, a cipher was really going on on this plaque uh, and it's something completely different than what most people thought. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to give everyone a quick primer on bacon ciphers if you already know this stuff. if you, you, A lot of you uh, fans uh, have probably already delved into this stuff a little bit but it, for, if you haven't uh, I'd like to kind of spend some time talking about that. Now one of the things that this plaque says is stay passenger, why goest thou thou by so fast? Read if you can, who envious that the place within this monument, Shakespeare. And so what he's really saying is, um, whose name decks this tomb? And I'm gonna give you an answer to that tonight. So what I tried to do is give everyone an understanding of what the message of the plaque is in the first place. And it's a little convoluted uh, and, I think that a lot of people have gotten it wrong. So, like I said, it says "read if thou canst." In other words, read if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Latin heading, we're going to talk about that too. Um, "Judicio pilium" uh, that that is a judge who who is a really wise judge. Uh, the genius of Socrates, uh, the art of Moronum, uh, and who was Virgil, uh, the poet. So the Virg- the poet Virgil, that makes sense, uh, because Shakespeare was a poet. But the genius of Socrates, well, maybe. But uh, the justice uh, of Pilum, uh that doesn't really make sense. And then, of course, it goes on that uh, the earth holds up uh, and the people mourn, and now he lives in Olympus. So a lot of this doesn't really match up with the actor known as Shakespeare. So... When I saw read if thou canst to me, that was a call to decode. It, it says, read this if you can. And so, um, <clears throat> and then it says, what are we supposed to read? Whom hath place within? Whose name is in this monument, Shakespeare? And so, if you can see this on the, I'll enlarge this in a moment, but right after the word, name, the name Shakespeare
0: is a colon. Hold on, hold on, Jack. Jake, you want me to bring up a bigger uh, picture of that somehow? Um, I, I have one coming up.
2: Okay. That, I mean, you can if you want, John. But yeah, I have one coming up. That's that's good. Um, so what it means is Shakespeare is the monument. There we go. Great, John. So if, if you look right there after Shakespeare, see the colon is after. If Shakespeare was in the monument, it would say within this monument colon Shakespeare but instead it's calling Shakespeare a monument. So I, I think that's an important designation to, to make sure everyone understands or wraps their head around. So now, um, and again, um, it goes on to say, you know, whose name doth deck this tomb right here. And this is a play on words because, and this is what a lot of the uh, uh, ciphertexts do um, is you know, you have a lot of wordplay going on. And really, uh, the word tomb uh, can be replaced with the word crypt. Mm-hmm. So instead of entombed, whose name is encrypted in this monument Shakespeare, if everyone follows. And so uh, that was the the uh, tactic that I took was this, this idea that this obviously was a lot of uh, scholars had tried to say, oh, well, originally it was supposed to be a tomb. But at the last minute, they decided not to. And in reality, this is not a mistake on the plaque. Uh, One of the things with what's called steganography, it's the idea of hiding a message within a surface text that when you look at it, you can't tell that there's a cipher or a code there. Uh, That's the whole point. Uh, If you have a replacement uh, cipher where where you have numbers or or Mm. symbols, you look at it, you can tell there's a cipher there, right? Um, With steganography, it's all hidden hidden beneath the surface. And so what that meant in my mind was that when, when with stagermenography, when you see a mistake, a mistake is always a clue. Mm. And so this idea that this was never a tomb, it was never intended to be one. It's just a play on words, and that word had to be there, if that makes sense. So the message here really, uh, if we can uh, enlarge uh, the presentation again, John. uh, Which one? The presentation, not the picture. There we go. Oop. Nobody wants my big head on there. No. Uh, There we go. That's fine. Um, So when you really read that first section, what it's really saying is read, if you can, whose name is encrypted in this monument, Shakespeare. And so what we're going to do is we're going to answer that question tonight and see there, you see the enlarged version. Hmm. And one of the things that, um, when we look at this this plaque, when you try to understand the language, it, the, the grammar is wrong. And, and there, it's, it's very stilted language, and it's unclear. That's usually an indication that there is some kind of ciphertext going on, and, and, it, and a special kind of ciphertext uh, that I've discovered, uh, multiple, actually. So there's some basic features of this plaque that uh, we should kind of talk about. And first of all, like I said, the convoluted grammar is usually a big red flag. Okay, there's some kind of cipher happening here. Uh, in order for these uh, words to be in this order and be this confusing, they have to be for some reason. And that's because there's a cipher. Uh, also, misspellings are always a clue uh, to some kind of uh, steganographic message. And so, because uh, those words have to be misspelled the way they are, in order for the ciphertext to unravel the way it should. And so that's another clue. So like I said, steganography, uh, all this means is hidden writing. Hmm. And uh, like I said, the the clues are always in the mistakes. So when I saw all of these conjoined and ligatured letters, if you notice that what people call the TH, uh, Peter Dawkins points out that this is actually a double tau. This is a T on its side joined with the other T, to make it look like a TH. And so there are exactly 10 of these on Shakespeare's plaque. Um, Here we have within the word monument, and this this image will come up a couple more times this evening, um, a conjoined ME, these these ligature letters here, and then the NT. There's a reason why they're they're connected. And I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, The other thing too, a lot of people, uh, when they look at the plaque, they don't understand what these two symbols mean. Well, uh, this is simply this, uh, the Y with the S above it means the word this, and the Y with the T above it, the tau above it, means the word that. And for whatever reason, even though the words this and that appear in other places on the, map, on the plaque, um, here in, in this section, they needed to have these two symbols here in place of the word, and I'll get to that in a minute. So like I said, the TH is a double tau, and it's also a triple tau, because it can be read the other way, where this is a T here. If you can see it, where I'm moving my mouse there, going in that direction, like an H. An H is actually a double tau. And then, of course, you have this other crossbar here for the triple tau. So it can be read in both ways. It can be a double or a triple tau. Um, triple tau, the initials of triple tau are TT which is a uh, Bacon signature of 33. I'm gonna talk about what these numbers mean here in a minute and why the number 33 represents the name Bacon. All of this was an indication to me of what kind of cipher was really going on here. Um, And so in order for the cipher to work, uh, these letters uh, would have to count as one letter, one character on the plaque. And I'll I'll talk about the count of how many characters actually are on the plaque itself There's been a a big controversy. A lot of people disagree about uh, the count, but I I think I've definitively answered that question of how many actual characters are on the plaque. So um, there were very explicit messages produced by the cipher texts and without getting into too many details. uh, And yeah, I'm I'm afraid there is going to be a bit of a a teaser here, uh, but First of all, Sir Francis Bacon did create the plaque. Uh, he made this thing. And um, he was also a member of the Frau Rosicruci. He was a, he was a Rosicrucian. Yep. Uh, a lot of people have, have dis- tried to discount that. But um, this message in the plaque, he wrote it. And he claims that he is a member of the RC. Shocker, uh, he claimed that he wrote all the works of Shakespeare. Uh So, I mean, this is something that a lot of people have have always suspected, Um, you know, uh, Peter Dawkins, Peter Amundsen, uh, myself, others, and and, and it goes all the way back to Ignatius Donnelly and even before him. Uh, A lot of uh, researchers and theorists have always believed that Bacon was responsible for the works of Shakespeare because it fit. Uh, He was the one that had the depth and breadth of knowledge necessary in order to create all of those plays. He he understood uh, how you were supposed to act in court. And, and all of these different kinds of things. Uh, and the uh, actor from Stratford-upon-Avon named uh, William Shaksper, uh didn't have that knowledge and he didn't have a library. So there you go. Uh, in addition, uh, the CyberText reveal Sir Francis Bacon's true identity. Now, there are a lot of theories out there about who he really was. Who were his parents, his biological parents? Uh, there's always been this, this suspicion that, that uh, Lady Anne and uh, Nicholas Bacon, Sir Nicholas Bacon were not his parents, and when you look uh, at pictures of Nicholas Bacon, excuse me, Nicholas Bacon and Anthony Bacon, his brother, and or Francis Bacon's brother, uh, side by side, they look nothing alike. However, um, the cipher text actually reveal his true identity, who his bi- biological parents are. Now, a lot of the theories are out there that um, he was the bastard son of Lady of uh, Elizabeth the Queen of England, which would have made him a prince. Uh, and, you know, this is called, I believe, the Prince Tudor theory. There's mm-hmm. the, you know, so there are a lot of theories out there, but um, the cybertext unequivocally state exactly what his identity is. And sorry, I'm not going to reveal what that is tonight. <laughs> no problem. Well, that, that's some of my, uh, for, for those of you, my, my friends and uh, family who are watching, that's some of my prime material. <laughs>
0: Uh, welcome everybody who's, uh, joining the, uh, chat. We're here with Jake Roberts, uh, and, uh, welcome everybody from YouTube. I haven't had a chance. Uh, everybody's listening intently, Jake, you got everybody's ear. You're doing great. Thank you.
2: Awesome. Great. Thanks everyone. I really appreciate it. And and John, I, I, I I still tell you, I love the mug, the mug on the mug. Uh, mug What you, what you don't know is I, I texted a bunch of my friends and family and I told them I was going to turn this into a drinking game. Okay. And every time I say the word "prime," they have to drink. So, <laughs> everyone else who's watching live, you're welcome to join in. It's not just exclusive to my friends and family. But.
0: Okay, so the so the code the code word another code word for drinking tonight is going to be prime.
2: Prime. We're going to get primed. How's that sound, John? So uh, tonight, what I want to I want to explain to everyone that the focus here is that Bacon and Shakespeare. Uh, are the surface discoveries on the plaque? Um, so I'm going to show you how Bacon's name answers that question that we saw at the very beginning. You know, whose name is encoded or encrypted uh, in this monument, Shakespeare? In order to do that, I get to uh, go over, hopefully not too quickly, the cipher systems of Sir Francis Bacon. And it's really important um, that we wrap our heads around this idea. I'm going to try to go quickly but I don't want to lose anyone. And hopefully I won't be too boring, which is why I turned it into a drinking game.
0: (laughs) Everybody drinks on my shows for some reason. (laughs) I I think it's,
2: I think it's me, but uh, that's beside the point. Go ahead. When you gave this to me, you said I could put whatever we wanted into it. This is coffee. This is okay. Yeah, right. It's a weak tea. It's a tea tea that rhymes with right. So all right. So, so Bacon had uh, three uh, main cipher systems. One was called a a biliteral cipher. We're not going to talk about that tonight. There is a biliteral cipher on the plaque, by the way, everyone, uh, if you want to take a hand at figuring that one out, go ahead. Uh, It's pretty cool. Uh, But simple reverse and case ciphers are three different forms of ciphers that they can use in conjunction with one another. They, 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 They interact, they work together. And, uh, they serve what's called in, in ciphers a mathematical bijective function. That don't don't say that three times fast, especially if you're drinking tonight. Uh, but all that really means is that every character of the alphabet can be represented by a number, and that's all it means. But it's a highly highly useful uh, way of creating ciphers. Now, he all like I said, his biliteral cipher. Um, This is really kind of interesting. Biliteral cipher was actually the forerunner of binary code used with computers, and Bacon created it. That's kind of cool. Uh, So there's also a substitution between simple and reverse ciphers. This is something that no one has ever considered before, as far as I know, in terms of how Bacon used his uh, cipher system. I I haven't read that anywhere, but I happened to just kind of stumble across this function while I was working on the ciphers of the plaque. Um, It's based upon what's called an at-bash cipher. Uh, that used to be used with the Hebrew alphabet to create ciphers in the Bible, in the Hebrew Bible, and so it, that is a, a cipher system that uh, is thousands of years old. So, by me saying that Bacon used it, particularly when some of the messages he, some of the words he used in his cipher were in Hebrew, uh, not that big of a stretch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it really created a lot of flexibility of how he was able to uh, uh, encode this much information in just this number of characters. So simple to reverse ciphers. uh, Simple is simple. It's not just a clever name. What it means is we we assign the letter A, 1, and you continue through the alphabet until you get to Z at 24. Uh, If you're being observant, you'll recognize that there are only 24 letters in the Elizabethan alphabet, because there is no J. They used to substitute I here for J. And then uh, there was no U. They would substitute V for U. So um, there are only 24 characters in the Elizabethan alphabet. Reverse, once again, not a clever name. It is what it's describing. It's the same idea in reverse where this time A is 24 all the way down to Z being number one. Hmm. Now, this substitution cipher, the substitution system or this at-bash cipher, the way that works um, in Hebrew, I, all I did was I just did the same thing that they did with the Hebrew alphabet. I took uh, the Elizabethan alphabet, A through M, and then underneath that, N through Z backwards. And so the way this works, uh, you can substitute between the letters A and Z because in um, in the s- simple cipher, A is one, Z is twenty four. In reverse cipher, A is twenty four, Z is one. So both letters can represent both numbers so therefore you can kind of swap them back and forth when you're creating a cipher uh, in a a hidden message and so that works all the way through each of these characters k cipher uh is the one that um uh confuses people but it's this is the one that uh, makes uh, bacon's cipher system so incredibly powerful and k cipher starts on the letter k Counting at 10, you'll notice here where my where my cursor is, where my mouse is. So it starts at K, and it continues all the way to 24 at Z, just the way it normally would. But then it starts over again with A at 27, because uh, there are two uh, null characters here I'm going to show you in a second. And A is 27 all the way up until I is the number 35. Our null characters are 25 and 26, which is the ampersand and at. So... Um, you don't really see that a lot, but, but it does come into play when you're looking at, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, old pamphlets printed in the 1600s, and these symbols appear on the titles. When you see these symbols, ampersand and et, chances are they needed a 25 or a 26 in whatever cipher happens to be on that cover. Um, along with this, uh, because of these cipher systems, there are what are called cipher signatures. Now, <laughs> one of my friends just texted me and said, what a nerd. Yes, yes, I resemble that remark. Um, so when I'm looking at uh, these cipher signatures, these uh, basically, uh, these are the most commonly known ones that are used in, in, in the Bacon circles. Uh, a lot of these uh, you can find, I, I added a few to this, but uh, most of these you can find on uh, uh Peter Dawkins' website, uh, the Franklin Research uh, Trust. And so here you have Shakespeare, and and I there are three columns, three different numbers. The first column is simple cipher. Second column is uh, reverse, and then third column is K-cipher. And the most common ones uh, that uh, people know about, the name Francis is 67 in simple cipher, and Bacon is 33 in um in, in, in simple cipher together, they total 100. So Francis Bacon is an, per, is a perfect 100 in simple cipher. Um, and it's also, you know, the, this, this two to one ratio. It, it's an octave, uh, uh effect, right His name,
0: Yeah. How many other plaques has, uh, Bacon, uh, did ciphers on in different areas? I mean, uh, this is all new to me. So that's a question just coming through my head. How many right. other plaques yeah. are on different? Monuments well, that he has done, if you know. Go ahead. Thank
2: you, Jake. Yeah, it's, it's a great question, John. I'm sure a lot of other people are wondering that too. Uh, Ignatius Donnelly uh, claims that he, he had deciphered a, a message on um, uh, Shakespeare's uh, uh, tombstone, uh, which is really enigmatic and, and very strange looking, uh, that basically says that Shakespeare or Bacon took credit also for writing the works of Christopher, Mar- Christopher Marlowe. Um, so that one I know of, and I haven't looked too closely at it. Uh, I've read part of, uh, of Ignatius Donnelly's book. Um, he was pretty convoluted about the, the process, processes he used to decode that message. Um, whereas what I'm doing tonight, I'm just laying everything out. This is how I did it. <laughs> so, um, as far as others, I have found at least one other cipher, uh, that was on an image uh, that uh, I'm not going to get into tonight, but it's fine. No, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> and and um, it, it basically reinforces everything that I found here on the plaque. And uh, I think that when people, when I'm finally able to show everything, show everyone, everything I've found, yeah. um, everyone's going to like it. it. It's, it's, it's just mind blowing. It's so cool. What he was able to do in just one lifetime uh, under multiple names, but that's a, story for another another day um okay, so yeah um thank you all of these numbers you're welcome I mean, it, keep keep doing that and if if you see someone ask a question everyone if i'm going too fast um if, if you um uh you know are wondering something or if i'm you know if i make something very confusing uh give us a shout out and no. i'll try to answer your questions in real time so just interrupt me john okay because uh, once i start going i just go And then just give me a shout-out, and I'll stop. Thank you, Drake. Oh, you're welcome. Um, So, basically, if we look at significant names, you know, uh, here I have listed Francis Bacon, Francis Bacon, Sir Francis Bacon, uh, his title of Viscount St. Albans, along with Baron Berulam, a title that uh, James I bestowed upon him. Uh, Also, Fra Rosy Cross, uh, which is the fraternity of the Rosicrucians. uh, But that was how they would... um, uh, write it. And then, of course, frater, which means brother. And I also just uh, discovered that they frequently use just make it plural, as in fraters of the rosy Cross. So um, there are uh, double signatures there. So uh, all of these kind of start cropping up here throughout this process. And so a lot of them have to do with their brotherhood, like I said, with the name of Fra Rosie Cross. That can be frater of the Rosy Cross or it can be. Uh, uh, the, the fraternity of the Rosy Cross. And so in order to calculate these signatures, what you have to do is you have to come up with, uh, you, you take each letter of those names in each of the ciphers and you add them up. And whatever their sum is, that's the cipher signature. Okay, so you do that for simple cipher for all of the names, uh, then you do it for reverse, and then you do it for K. And that's what allows you to get these sets of numbers that are meaningful. So, like I said, use each cipher. Uh, and these numbers at the end, uh, when all of a sudden uh, you find them, uh, you realize, oh, I have a, a cipher signature here because it represents the name Bacon, for example. Uh, however, you know, you can't just go around looking for, you know, a sixty-seven or a thirty-three or a one-eleven. Um, instead, it has to be in the proper context. You know, if you're just willy-nilly finding the numbers and saying, oh, I found something. It doesn't work that way. It has to, you know, have to do, ob- be obviously a, a Rosicrucian document, for example, or or, or something that uh, Bacon wrote or something that Shakespeare wrote or created.
0: All right, Jake. Yeah. Can you uh, just put out a little uh, spot out that you only can reveal so much on your topic because you were presented at Oak Island just so the new members that have come in. Uh, what your format is for tonight. Thank you. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah. If you just pop it in, uh, you know, I can't really talk about any any of the things I've I've presented uh, to the Oak Island team. Um, But what I can do is is show uh, information that I also discovered that's a little bit unrelated to Oak Island, but it's all about Sir Francis Bacon and Shakespeare, uh, which is at the heart of my theory. And so uh, that stuff I can talk about. Uh, And uh, I saw someone said uh, ciphers are codes question mark. No. Um, Basically uh, ciphers people use the words ciphers and codes interchangeably Mm -hmm. uh, interchangeably and, and uh, which is fine, but they're, they're technically different things. Uh, So, you know, for our intents and purposes tonight, I'm not going to get into all of the details of that, um, but instead we'll just, you know, go with it. Um, So, was that good enough, John, the idea that, you know, I'm yeah, we had one more,
0: one more question. It says, was there a huge need for ciphers and some just blocked me other than to hide identity and his work?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a huge need. Um, okay. In fact, you know, he, he was a spy master. Um, you spy know, he,
0: master. Thank you, Starlene, <laughs> for that uh, question. Very good. Yeah.
2: And, and so, um, in fact, uh, the thing that actually led to the death of Mary, Queen of Scots, for example, was that she had written a cipher to, uh, you know, one of her loyal subjects who was going to help her try to uh, pull down Queen Elizabeth and take the throne from her. Oh uh, and so what they did was they intercepted the, the, the message and cracked the cipher. I think that was uh, Francis Walsingham who, who cracked it. And um, so... You know, that they were constantly using ciphers back then. Yeah, absolutely. Such a great question. There was a huge need for it. Um, so just to show you some of those uh, signature features, uh, some of the examples of that. So one of the cool things with 67, which is the simple cipher signature of Francis, is that um, 6, it, it's comprised of the digits 6 and 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, 6 is F in simple cipher. And, and uh, seven is G. And and since F can represent the idea of Francis or Frater, which is Latin for brother, um, G is 33 in K, which if you look over on that cipher signature, if you can see it on your screen, 33 is bacon and simple. Um, and 67 is also the 19th prime number.
0: Prime away. Prime the well.
2: Um, so... 67 being a prime number, uh, what we have to look at is 19 is actually T in simple cipher, which is uh, of the Rosicrucians, it's the sacred tau. And once again, if you remember earlier in the presentation, uh, that double tau, triple tau symbol on the plaque, there are 10 of them and they represent the number 33, uh, which means bacon. So, uh, Multiple times there were there were cypher messages in the cypher text that said, uh, I, the Tau, or I, the TT. Bacon was saying, I'm the Tau. In other words, 19, I'm Francis, 67. Gotcha. Uh, and the reason why they, they held uh, the Tau sacred, it represents the truth. Um, it's the last letter in the Hebrew word, uh, Tav, excuse me. The Hebrew letter Tav is the last letter in the word for truth in Hebrew. And so um, they b- had this belief system where you couldn't really know the truth until you got to the end of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why the T became the symbol of the truth instead of the first letter. So in this way, uh, the name Bacon can co- uh, be represented by the letter G, T, which in the substitution system, in that Bash system, uh, T and F are the same thing. So F for Francis, but also uh, uh, T and F are also related in the sense of 1967, Francis. This is how all of this interrelates. Uh, and so, and like I said, um, I just put in here, uh, in the ciphertext themselves, um, you know, he said I, the, the letter I, the T, and there was another message where it was the TT in other words, I, the double tau. And so it's a pun where he's saying, I'm 33, I'm bacon, uh, over and over again throughout the cypher system. So looking at Shakespeare, uh, his, his digits are uh, 103, 101, and 259. Um, 103, uh, with, with gematria and, and numerology, you can kind of drop the zeros sometimes. And 1 is A, and uh, C, the letter C, is often used in these ciphertexts uh, in the phonetic messages of it as the word C being able to see a is a symbol of light or truth because it represents the idea of light shining downward. It also represents Athena and Apollo, the spear shakers who would s- shake a spear of light in people's faces to get them to see the truth. Uh, they were the spear shakers. Funny how that works. Um, so, and like I said, um, uh, 101, you have AA, Athena Apollo. Again, the spear shakers. Uh, 259 uh, is B-E-I. And so <clears throat> Shakespeare, B-I. Uh, the number 259 represents Shakespeare. Uh, then it breaks down into B-E-I. So it can spell B-I. And if we look at uh, the, the numbers for Sir Francis Bacon, this is kind of cool. Uh, in Reverse cipher, uh, his the whole name of Sir Francis Bacon equals 231, which is actually 7 times 33. And so 7 is G in simple, and uh, 33 is G in K cipher. So in a sense, he's multiplying G times uh, in simple times G in K. Uh, this counts St. Albans. Uh, this uh, number, the 199, happens to be the 16th prime number. little John, coffee and tea taste so much better out of your mug. I just want to tell you it's fantastic. But being the sixteenth prime number, um, what we can do is uh, note that um, in in reverse, it, it's I, the letter I. So once again, he's saying I uh, one ninety nine, and so um, <clears throat> here we have you know nineteen. Also with 199 representing the T and then we have nine, uh, representing the letter I. So here we have the message again, I tau. So there are also some significant letters and symbols that are, that are relevant to the plaque and, and bacon. Um, obviously I already talked about a as representing and AA representing Apollo and Athena of uh, the spear shakers. Um, but as I said, they also represent the idea of light and shadow. Okay. So, um, light is knowledge shadow is the unknown they represent the idea of, of bacon's inductive reasoning that was at the basis of his scientific method you have to take light what you know light shining downward in in this sort of fashion and shadows are cast in the same way aren't they they start narrow and then they can spread out over the ground um, so you have to use light in order to understand what you don't know and, and so that was, that was his whole philosophy in terms of his scientific method. So uh, AA also represents uh, the Apis Blanco and Apis Noir, which is the B of light and B of shadow, B of darkness. Um, so if you notice the A shape, kind of is shaped like a B with its wings out behind it. Uh, the B you're going to find is also a huge symbol here. I'm going to talk about it in a second. We've already talked about um, how the tau, the double tau, and H can actually be a double tau uh, because of how he used it here, um, in his double tau symbol here. And like I said, you know, I, I just talked about how tav uh, represents the idea of truth in the Hebrew tradition. And since G is 33 and gay, uh, K cipher, uh, 33 is bacon and simple, we come to, to associate the two together. Just to uh, summarize, V, is an inverse of a and it also represents the name barrel Uh, so you know, you have, you have the chalice symbol, which is a feminine symbol. And then a, of course, is the masculine blade symbol. You know, all of you uh, Da Vinci code fans out there probably remember, uh, Robert Landon talking about that. The O is actually a, a symbol of light seen from above. It would shine down in a cone. Okay. It's, it's, it's the light on the horizon, what you can see. All right. Uh, if, if you have a light here in the center of the room, it only spreads so far and it spreads in a circle. So uh, he uses that. Um, o is also, and this will come up again, um, O is also uh, the uh, substitution letter for the letter L, the initial of the word light and lux in Latin, uh, which is light. And so uh, it also represents the square, uh, the the carpenter's square uh, of, of Freemasonic uh, symbolism and Rosicrucian symbolism going along with the drafter's T. So along with all of those, you have the ad-bash substitutions. uh, You know, for for the T, you have F, which represents Francis, L, and I already mentioned above. Uh, S can represent the idea of Shakespeare, but it's also, you have, uh, I'm getting a little dizzy here, John. You got me some going all over the place. Um, So you you have... uh, (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh! wait, you get to do it too? Yeah. Oh, okay, salute.
0: Okay, continue.
2: I, I didn't know that was part of the rules, but okay, I'm game. Uh, so S, again, with a substitution, is, is G, and uh, R, again, Rosicrucian, the initial, but it, it's also an H, which we know is a double tap. So that's how a lot of those works. Uh, also, uh, they gave veneration to the B, as I said. One of uh, this explicit cipher texts uh, that I found in the plaque uh, when I used um, uh, some of the keys that unraveled uh, the, the secret messages uh, was we honor the apis. In other words, we honor the bees with this hand symbol, which a lot of my friends, uh, we, uh, Dan Spino out there, shout out to you. Um, we were all wondering about this symbol you see. Uh, this is a picture of the alchemist Robert Flood. And um, very, uh, well, familiar looking artwork to me. But here you have, uh, the look at this hand in this position. You know, this this idea of this. You know, they would do this in a lot of the paintings. Um, It represents the M, the letter M. But it's also supposed to be the shape of a B. Um, So in the ciphers, it talked about the hand position, and that was the answer to it. Um, Interestingly enough, M is 12 in simple cypher, and B is 12 in simple cypher. B is S2 plus E is 5 plus E is 5 equals 12. Well, wow. Just like the letter M.
0: Jake, we got a question from YouTube. Great. So did the Templars use these types of cyphers as well, and could the knowledge of these cyphers have been passed to Freemasonry?
2: Uh, I would say absolutely yes. Um, Whether or not the Templars used these specific ciphers, uh, I'm not sure. I don't think so. They did use ciphers. They used Mm -hmm. the same symbols. They they definitely used a lot of the same symbolism for sure. And and I think that that is a part of um, uh, the thread of knowledge that was passed along from the Templars, uh, the families of the Templars who survived, Mm -hmm. who then passed that along to... People like Francis Bacon, uh, along and who created, I believe, the Rosicrucians. Thank, so, yeah, thank you, Jake. Oh, it's a great question for sure. Uh, and so, another reason why they uh, venerate the bee is because of alchemy. Okay, I just showed you a picture of Robert Flood, uh, and what they did was they used this as a symbol that by collecting pollen from honey or f- pollen from flowers and roses, in this case, the Rosicrucians, you could create gold and honey so that was a form of alchemy and it represented that whole idea and so again uh when it comes to light and being able to see these are ideas that they obviously also venerated now all of these come together as a bunch of signposts honestly um and so all of these letters you have the t the double tau which shows up as a th uh, you have H as a double tail. the letter G, of course, representing bacon. the A, the double A, all of these letters. Um, there are also signposts of the first-person pronouns of I and me. And coming back again to this image I said would, we would be seeing a lot of tonight, you see the conjoined letters M and E spelling out the word me. Uh, if on this plaque, uh, what you're going to find is – I started matching them up in terms of uh, once I figured out the actual number of characters that appear on the plaque, I was able to match up, uh, look for these cipher signatures and see what letter they were and w- what character they were. And they would match up to any of these significant characters that are symbolic and, and, and representative of Bacon, as well as the letters of I and me. So we, it also works um, because of the substitutions uh, via the Atbash substitution. So what I did was uh, I counted the characters and I started matching signatures to their position on the plaque to see if uh, they came up as highly significant signatures or, or, or letters. Okay. And so the idea is, um, it occurred to me. I, I didn't. Uh, as, as Chris and I were talking about the plaque, I said, "You know," I said, "I don't. I wonder if I was trying to." Um, figure out how to set up an algorithm because the type of cipher that appears on the plaque requires you to find a key in order to unlock the secrets and in order to do that i had to know have an accurate count of how many characters are on the plaque so it was a really simple idea i just counted them and so because each conjoined or ligatured character uh since they were combined and joined they have to count as one character it's just logical. It makes sense, especially if you're, you have to rearrange the characters according to a key or, or a cert, or a specific method, which is what I did. Um, so what I did was I counted that there were a total of 305 characters on the plaque, and um, that is done. Uh, uh, Chris uh, Dona and I have, have been able to – and by the end of this night, I, I hope that most people will um, recognize that, that it is – Unequivocal. That, that is a, a carved in bronze number of 305. Uh, it checks out in a, a, a variety of other ways too in the other ciphertexts. So, what I did was I signed each character a number and I did it forward in a, in a regular count, just starting at the beginning, going to the end, and then I did it again backward and checked those as well. And so then I compared all of those numbers to cyber signatures and there were multiple correlations. And I'll, I'll talk about what the odds are of that here in a little bit. So, um, oh, my sister's watching on her big TV. She just texted me.
0: Hello, Jake Roberts, sister.
2: <laughs> well, there, there are four of them watching. So well, give them a shout out. Let's go, Jake. Give them a shout out. Rob, Robin, Patty, Penny, Dawn. You better have me on. <laughs> uh so what i did was I, as i said i just began with the i and judicio okay with one and uh that goes all the way down to uh the letter p down at the end at 305 and so that's what it looks like if uh we can make it a little bigger i don't know uh and you can see uh this image uh, i was working with just a, a, a. I printed it out and i wrote it by hand, and I was using, you know, just making sure, double-checking, I was getting every single one in there. And then Chris Dona put together this awesome graphic for me to use. Uh, it also appears in my book where all of these are all labeled all the way through, and we're going to take a look at a, a closer look at some of these specifically. Just to show you an example of how this works, um, I looked at the first, uh, how the, there's an interaction between the count of these letters and the signatures. And... So I just looked at the initial characters of the first three lines, and it's I T S from Judicio. The I from Judicio is number one. It's a, as a the forward count. T from Terra, right below it, is thirty-eight, and S from Stay is seventy-two. And when you look at them all, the total from that count, if you add it together, is one eleven, which is uh, Bacon and K cipher. <laughs> Hi, Don. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we have this, um, that's that's Bacon and KCypher. So what do we have as a message here? Uh, well, it's pretty simple. You, whose name is encrypted in the plaque? It's Bacon. Mm-hmm. That's the answer. Uh, and, and this is going to come up again and again and again, as you can see. This this uh, was one that I just kind of noticed uh, a couple of nights ago. Uh, I was talking with some friends on uh, one of our uh, Facebook groups and. I just eyeballed. I said, oh, it says it's bacon. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the backward count, obviously, it's just you take. I figured since uh, since uh, bacon had simple cipher and reverse cipher, it was only logical to do the same thing with the counts of the plaque. And so that's what I did. Um, I started with P at the end of the plaque as one down here at the bottom. And then I end at 305 with the letter I up above. And there were a lot of correlations in the forward count. um you can see here maybe oh thanks john um not yet it's going to be um, my book on the plaque is going to be coming out here uh next month either the 20th or the 22nd i haven't decided which um and uh, uh i'll if, if john lets me I'll, I'll do a shameless plug for it at the end no problem Jake. uh, uh If you look at the forward count correlations, they all hit. Uh, There were hits all across the board except for uh, three. And uh, here uh, it was character 85 with a W, character uh, 168 with a W, and character 199 with a D. And I'm going to talk about that. Uh, An interesting one that we're going to have to jump into a little bit here a little bit later, depending upon how, how long and how deep everyone wants to go into this, is the number 153 which is not a prime number. But if you look at right here at the center of the plaque, uh, it is the conjoined word M-E, me. Since there are 305 characters on the plaque, 153 is the mathematical center of the plaque. And it says the word me. and like I said, a, a 153 It's what's called a triangular number, and it's pretty complicated. But because it's a triangular number and the other numbers at the other corners indicates that it's a signature for Bacon. Um, in fact, if you add up I, Sir Francis Bacon, in simple cipher, it equals 153. So um, there were only three non-hits, like I said, uh, a W at character 85, uh, W, again, at 165, and a D at 199. Um, and so what they are, W is the substitution for D, D is the substitution for W. So it's strange. It's like, it's the same, the same letter. And, um, we're going to see this trend continue, which is really kind of interesting. And I'll, I think I figured out why. So once again, the backward count, 153 is still me because it's the mathematical center. There was one miss as far as um, them not matching up to significant characters uh, in, from our symbolic letter list. And that is, once again, character 199, and it's a letter D. So, <clears throat> so there was also 231, which is a Y and 237, which is a B. And I was kind of questioning them with it, but then I realized, realized B's and they are substitutions for one another, Y and B. So, we have a hit. They're, they're Bs. So once again, uh, same as the forward count, all the Ds and the Ws. And in this backward count, the only miss was another D. So I found this to be kind of interesting. And there's a close-up of it you can see there, uh, where over here is character 199 in the backward count as a letter D there is the miss. The rest of them are all hits. So in summary of just that section, you know, you have multiple correlations. And, and so how does that happen? I think it was very, very, it was purposeful because everything that I found on this plaque is very purposeful. And so I was wondering if it was actually statistically significant, though. Uh, um, I would say that it's very inconclusive because we have a large number of characters, plus you have the um, versus the possible hits. And it goes backwards and forwards, so you actually have a 610 possibilities of hits, along, and then that doubles again because of the substitution possibilities. So I, I don't think that it's necessarily statistically significant, but it's, it, it's, I, I think it's pretty interesting correlations. So the misses in the forward were the, the D and the W, which equal 4, and, and uh, 21, and then the B and the A, which, of course, are, are Bs. Mrs. backward with just a D. So this adds up to a total of 25, uh, a, a number that I think Aaron Helton is going to uh, kind of appreciate and that'll happen again, Aaron. Um, and since we have 25, two is B, five is E, we have a phonetic spelling of the word B. Um, so this led me to wonder, how do prime numbers fit? Uh, Jake. Yeah. So
0: obviously this plaque uh, means a lot and is deciphered in a lot of ways. Yeah. What is it telling us? I mean, what, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. What is this plaque that Bacon did? What is it saying to us? Is it giving us a direction? Is it giving us a uh, explanation of something? Thank you, Jack. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, it, it really is, John. Um, and uh, I see all the people who are, who are saying hi. Uh, yeah, they're going crazy. Hi, guys. Yeah, it's it's great to see you all there. Um, <clears throat> the idea that um, what's being said here, this plaque contains, and, and Chris Dona said it best because we we were really talking about it. And I, I was going through all of the different messages and you know sharing my research with him, and he says he told his life story in this plaque. Wow. Um, this, this plaque is, uh, it's the subtitle of my book, uh, the autobiography, the secret autobiography of Sir Francis Bacon. Um, and, and that's what it is. Uh, okay. there were certain, ele- there were certain elements of it, John, that he had to keep secret at the time. Uh, there's no, there's no way that some of this information could have been released, uh, in his lifetime. Um, uh, and, and as Sir, Sir William Raleigh, uh, said that, um, at some point in a future generation, people are really going to understand the depth and breadth of what he really did and what he really accomplished and who he truly was. And um, that inform- a lot of that information, most of it, is in this plaque. Okay. It's all there. Um, so I just asked the question, how prime numbers fit? You can choose to do that one again or not. It's up to you. But... What I did was I did, I checked all the primes in the regular count, starting from the beginning and going to the end, and um, there was a really interesting correlations uh, happened here. Uh, First of all, a lot of uh, these signatures uh, of Sir Francis Bacon and and, and, um, the associated uh, titles uh, are prime numbers. So if you look at it, you go across here, and this is just what it looks like as, as there's, uh, the, where the, uh, uh, prime numbers are kind of scattered around there.
0: Jake, we got a question from Tom Burns. How do you, great, Tom. how do you avoid confirmation bias when deciding <laughs> which characters and counts are to be used?
2: Tom, great question. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, in my classroom, I, I teach confirmation bias to my students. I teach them how to, uh, be aware of it and try to avoid it. And so believe me, I, I was really uh, I had to be hyper vigilant about that. And the way to do it is context. Um, if there isn't a context for it, then, then it doesn't make sense. Um, the only time I used uh, a letter to be representative or, or to be significant was when it actually stated in the ciphertext which ones were supposed to be along with the ones that um, all of these uh, scholars associated with uh, bacon uh, have, have already all agreed that okay these number these letters are significant yep. you know which are a a uh, G and and all the others I've listed so um, so yeah it's such a great question and uh, I, I kind of said that earlier about when it comes to these cipher signatures and, and the letters um, unless you have context it, it, it doesn't mean anything, right. you know? So right. we
0: got Tony Sampson in the house. Hey, Tony. Any other questions, gang? We're going by so fast to Jake. I want to see like four or I three know. of them at a time. And by the time I look back, they're gone.
2: Oh, uh, let's see your Facebook. What, let's see. Um, what got me interested in Oak Island? Uh, well, I've, I've always been a fan of the show. Um, and, um, one of the things was, I, I just love, obviously, um, uh, my interest has always been symbolism and, and, and bacon, Rosicrucian symbolism, Freemason Freemasonry symbolism, nice Templar symbolism. And so that's always been my area of, of real interest. And of course, you know, there are oodles of that on the show. So it's just fun to watch for me. Um, and then when uh, I said earlier, my friend Chris Dona was on the show, uh, and, and made a, uh a statement that, that caught my attention. I reached out to him and we, we've been, uh, really jumping into it ever since. Yeah.
0: Another question is that some letters are larger than others. Do they signify any importance in the cipher?
2: Um, they do. Chris Dona, uh, believes that, uh, you know, they're, they're intended to be actual capital letters, mm-hmm. uh, that in some way, uh, one of them that really st- stuck out to him was, uh, the capital H, um, and, uh, and then the S on the top, I, I believe, it was a cratum. And so, you know, uh, at this point, uh, I, I think that um, they were put in, this is my own personal opinion. right? Because there is a biliteral cipher. In order to have a biliteral cipher, you have to have, you have to take the letters and group them in smaller groups of five. And since there are 305 characters on the plaque, it works perfectly for biliteral cipher. And so I thought that the, um, the size of the characters was actually a, a distraction. It was a ruse away from uh, how to solve the bilateral cypher. Because come to find out uh, the actual size of, of the characters and, and the amount of flourishes on them and all those kinds of things, uh, that was all there to hide uh, the clues of how to solve the bilateral cypher. So that, that's, my, that's my opinion.
0: Fantastic.
2: It's a great question. Great question.
0: I'm ready. Go ahead. All
2: right. So when I looked at the forward primes, there were misses of where they weren't significant characters, and all three were D's. Um, so, like I said earlier, you know, I don't find it statistically significant of all of the hits, but the fact that all of the misses are D's, I do find. Statistically significant and purposeful. In fact, uh, there's a reason why. If we add them together in simple cipher, it equals 12, the same cipher signature of the word B. When we add them up in reverse, uh, D is 21 in reverse, so we have a total of 63. Uh, it could mean F or CF or C Francis. Um, in K, uh, it all uh, there, uh, D is 30, add it up, you have 90, uh, it reduces to the letter I as 9. Um, when we add up B in reverse cipher, it also equals 63. It's the same as three Ds. And then when we look at K cipher, B is 28 plus E is 20, E is 20, the total is 90. Oh, wait, that shouldn't be. I think I have a typo there, but it's ninety. Um, so there were previous misses; were all D's, and um, and again, we had the B and the Y, which were all th- also the B's. So these yep. these are far too many coincidences uh, to make sense uh, to not make sense here. So what I did was I looked at the backward prime count, and again, they were all hits except a D and a W. Hmm. Uh, also. There was D as a character of 199 and D as 107. They were two characters that were misses in the forward count. So they were the same in the backward count, the same exact characters. So um, along with D as uh, character number seven and W as as 71, and here you can see them. With a close-up, there's 199 there and uh, 107, D there. And so on. There's 7D down here. 71 is W and writ right there. So when we look at the backward prime misses, when we add them up in simple cipher, um, D is 4, and then W is 21. So we have 3Ds and 21. Um, that totals 33, which is bacon in simple cipher. reverse we add them up d is 21 in reverse and w becomes four in reverse and the total is 67 which is francis in simple cipher again we add them up in k just to the hits just keep on coming and uh d is 30 in k cipher and w is still 21 in k cipher add them up and we have 111 which is the cipher signature of bacon in k cipher so in my mind it's not so much all of the hits that that match up with the characters; it's the ones that don't. Um, this goes along with uh, the the uh, the idea in stegan- steganography that in order to figure out the clues, you have to look for mistakes. And so uh, these weren't mistakes; the, these were uh, purposeful. In that we were supposed to find that they didn't match, and then check out their totals and realize whose name is encoded or in. Cryptid in this uh, monument, Shakespeare. And once again, we have Francis Bacon.
0: Jake, we got another question from Tom Burns. He's on the ball, this guy. All right. How long would it take someone with experience to put together a cipher like this?
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. With with experience? Uh, Gosh, Tom, I don't know. Um, You know, uh, it's funny. uh, I'll just say that, you know... um, Somebody else asked me a similar question in and in, in, it was on, uh, in the war room and I I, I can't really talk about what, yeah. how I answered it there, but I'll answer it this way here because it's such a great question. One of the things that um, when I first started uh, telling people what I had discovered, uh, I, had, I had one friend, he said, no one could ever do that and started laughing and, and, I, and I laughed. I said, well, I said, I think you may have misphrased that. I, um, you or I could never have done this. but but sir francis bacon he he could have and he did um i I believe that what he did was um you know he he used the numerical bijective function and 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 set up what's called a double columnal cipher system and what he would have to do uh gosh and i'm thinking it it took him uh probably there's a lot of trial and error that goes into this too and so the plaque itself has the date of 1616 on it, but that's irrelevant because it didn't really appear in situ until I think they, they say they believe maybe they don't even know about 1623. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it would make sense that it would take someone named Bacon seven years to do it. Uh, Cause seven is G. Uh, but um, today, Gosh, I I really don't know, especially if you're um, really experienced. Um, Let's put it this way. At this point, and I haven't even finished deciphering all of the ciphers that I found, all of the ciphertexts on the plaque. But at this point, uh, I have six of them in the book. So there are at least six encoded within... um, the, the plaque itself. So uh, it's such a great question. I, I would really have to give that a lot of thought, Tom. Keep them coming because you really got me thinking now. It's great.
0: And uh, Susan says, if Bacon was the only person who can figure out the cipher, what is the point if he can only figure it out? I mean, I mean you guys are, like yourself, are trying to decipher it. But if he made it so hard and he
2: couldn't even well, do it, it, I mean, you know, how does that... Well, do- Great question. Um, well, he didn't do it just so that only he could do it. Um, what people don't, what people today don't realize or understand is that there were a whole group of people who were communicating in this way back then. You have to remember that they didn't have the distractions that we have today. For them, this was entertainment. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, the, the learning, learning new languages. That's what they did for fun. Oh my God. Um, because, because learning is fun when you actually do it. Um, and so that's what they did. You know, they, they, they weren't distracted by, um, really great TV shows like Oak Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't distracted by Facebook. They weren't distracted by, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, sporting events or any of those kinds of things. This is what they did. And so, uh, there were a lot of people in his time period who could read this plaque. Absolutely. Uh, one, um, and Chris don't ask me a question. He says, why us? Why, why, why are we the ones that figured this out? Right. Why hasn't anyone else? And what I said was, well, I don't think we are the first ones. I, I think plenty of people have actually deciphered it. They've never published it. I, I think that um, a lot of the people who have been able to do this in reference to Tom's earlier question who have experience, or maybe they, they belong to groups uh, who have been studying this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, In particular, if someone was a member of a fraternity or secret society, uh, where they are obligated to keep certain secrets, and if they were to use those techniques that they had learned to uh, decipher this, then they're obligated to keep that as a secret. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I am not a member of any of this. I'm self-taught, and uh, so I have none of those obligations. In fact, if anything, I feel like I have an obligation to share um, this information. Uh, because um, Sir William Raleigh, Raleigh uh, basically uh, states in uh, Manus by it's a collection of uh, 32 verses honoring Bacon's life and his death as eulogies. Um, he states in the foreword that, um, you know, someday in the future, someone needs to be able to put this together and share with the world uh, what Bacon was really capable of and what he really did. So, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, but you know, again, we're looking at it as moderns and, um, it, he didn't make it just so only he could read it. Uh, there were multiple people who could read this back then okay. and they, they were also obligated to keep it a secret because the information it contains would have changed the face of Europe. And I, when I say that, I'm not, I'm not saying that lightly. I mean, it, it's, 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 uh, it's a powder cake for sure.
0: Yeah, thank you, Jake.
2: No, thank you. Uh, thank them. It's a, it's a great question, gang. You guys are really, really doing great stuff here. Um, I said we would get to number 50, 153. Um, and so, as I said earlier, 153 is a cipher signature that represents the word, the phrase, I, Sir Francis Bacon, in simple cipher. And that is the center character of the word me. At the, at the mathematical center of the plaque. So who is at the center, whose name is entombed in this monument, Shakespeare? Um, who is at the center of this mystery named Shakespeare? It's me, Sir, I, Sir Francis Bacon. Um, and like I said, it's the mathematical center, forward and backward. And, oh yeah, I forgot to mention it's not a prime. Oh, I, I already mentioned that. So... <clears throat> There are other ways that it can be a signature as well. And um, uh, this is where I'm going to give a a shout out to Chris Dona and um, the other giants that I was kind of standing on the shoulders of when I uh, tackled this project. Um, What Chris did, um, in our circle, uh, there's something that uh, came up, uh, was it last season, uh, the first time that Chris Morford was on? It's called the Morford Triangle, and it's on the plaque. everyone who is familiar with with uh, Peterer uh, uh bacon pentagram his work yep. there's a bacon pentagram on on this on this uh, plaque And so Chris t- took that he took my my work and, and, and my count and my discovery about the number 153 and he applied it or he didn't apply the number 153 but what he did was he, he took my, my counting system and to see what it would come out of what other people have already discovered. And so there is a relationship with the number 153. which is really kind of cool. So here we see the Morford triangle, his Morford bacon triangle. Uh, each of these characters are an anagram for bacon. And here you see th- what Chris did. This is an image he sent me uh, to use for tonight's presentation. Thanks, Chris. Uh, it's really awesome. because so he had the calculator embedded right here in the image. It's kind of cool. So he added up each of these letters you have. N is number 35, O is number 99, C is 201, and then B is uh, 207, and then you have A is 138. And he totaled them up at, in the, as a total of 680 okay. here um, in the forward count. And then he checked their values in, in the backward count. And what he found was that, uh, N was 271, O was 207, uh, A is 168, uh, C is 103, and B is 101. He added all of those up. Excuse me, 99 added up, and that's 850. We add those together, and we have 1530. And again, in Geometry and numerology, you, you drop the zero if you don't need it, and we have the number 153 again.
1: Mm.
2: So the letters spelling out bacon, once again, add up to 153. So we looked at, uh, he looked at, uh, 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 uh pent- Bacon Pentagram, and in the forward count, we had a total of 934, and looking at the backward count, we had 596. So once again, you add those up, and what do we have? We have 1530. Um, 1530. So it's uh, 1530, drop the zero, and it's 153. So I Again, you know, so when he found that, we were all kind of uh, pretty excited because I thought that was a really cool correlation between all this information. So this is um, the surface stuff of the plaque. And by surface stuff, I mean we've only looked at um, the stuff we can look at when you look at the plaque as it appears. Uh, We didn't get into any of uh, the algorithms I used to rearrange the characters on the plaque. Um, All that's in the book. And – it's also a part of the technique that um, led me to uh, important information for other people. So want to give a shout out to some people here. Uh, Chris Dona, of course, I mentioned him multiple times. Uh, Aaron Helton, Chris Morford, Corey and Mall, uh, you guys are awesome. Um, it's been a lot of fun working with you and I'm looking forward to doing a lot more research with you. Um, anyone interested in more information, about this, I definitely check out Peter Dawkins's website, uh, FrancisBaconResearchTrust.org. Um, <clears throat> if you just Google it, it'll be the first thing that comes up. He has multiple books out. Um, I just got his latest one. I haven't opened it yet, unfortunately. Sorry, Peter, uh, if you're watching. Peter Amundsen's books and his documentary. Uh, if you want to really start to look at uh, how steganography works and how to start looking at uh, Bacon ciphers, I, that's that's a great place place to start. Uh, Peter is uh, research is great. Um, this is the shameless plug I talked about earlier. Um, uh, by my book, the Holy Trinity decryption, uh, the hidden autobiography of Sir Francis Bacon. Um, and, uh, again, I want to thank, uh, Chris Dona and, uh, Corey Amal. Uh, they helped me out with the title. They, they made some suggestions and I kind of mashed them together and put my own twist on it. Uh, and, uh, that's what I ended up with. So thanks guys. I appreciate you very much.
0: Right. And how are they so, going to contact you, Jake? You got like an email or something. If somebody wants to uh, purchase this book once it comes about, how do they contact you?
2: Yeah. Um, the best way to do it, uh, I will have a website, um, for that, uh, okay. uh, next month, but, but the, uh, the best way to do it is to, to search on Amazon. It's going right. to be there, uh, by the end of January for sure. I, I'm planning on the 20th or 22nd. So very good. So that's that's my presentation. Um, so open to questions. Oh, I almost forgot. I just got something from Amazon Prime. Uh oh. Well, that was. I a, couldn't resist. I'm sorry. That was awful cheesy, but I couldn't help it.
0: That was great. I had to. That's a lot of every time you guys come on. I have to absorb more and more. I don't think my brain has any more uh, brain cells left (laughs) to absorb all you guys and what you do.
2: It's just unbelievable. So, hey, listen, guys, I I see all your comments. I really appreciate your your kind words. Um, And, and like, yeah, uh, definitely a crash course. Uh, And, um, you know, the thing is, is that, like I said, it's only the surface stuff of the plaque. And if I were to call it the tip of the iceberg, it's only the tip of the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole lot more there. Um, and I I ran through that, John, in record time. But um, when uh, Chris and I did our presentation for the war room, uh, we we both um, we get like I said earlier, we gave th- three hours worth of information in one hour. Right. So if if you're if everyone here who watched this is reeling, uh, just imagine what the guys. Uh, on Oak Island had to put up with that night from us because no, we I went th- in there with a whirl- whirlwind, I found, whirlwind
0: and uh, <laughs> I found it interesting how much bacon and his intelligence is over the moon. I mean, I didn't realize that. Oh, I oh. mean, I mean, what kind of, uh, not Einstein, but what kind of person he was to come up with these yeah. things. is just unbelievable. And um, it really is. You know, he
2: was um, definitely, uh, people always call him a polymath, but that doesn't even do him justice. You know, uh, uh, a master of multiple languages, uh, you know, writing Shakespeare. And basically at that point, um, everyone pretty much agrees that Shakespeare was responsible for the creation of what we speak now as modern English. And so Bacon did that.
0: Okay. Um, now here's the question. Yeah. The other theories are that uh, Bacon uh, buried the manuscripts at Oak Island. It's another theory in an opinion. Yeah. Now were the manuscripts that supposedly, are buried on Oak Island and whatever year they did that, obviously they had to be important. I mean, you got to have something important to bury it. No, you know what I mean? You don't bury just anything. You bury something of importance and great value. Absolutely. Yeah. Very true. So That's very true. If he did this in 1625, I mean, was his works that important a uh, hundred years before that or 50 years? I don't know. I'm getting my dates all mixed up. What was it that important at that time frame? that it was important enough to bury manuscripts, I'm saying.
2: Yes. Um, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like I, – I, I know exactly what you're trying to say, John, and you're spot on. You're, they were that important. Uh, I think that, um, you know, the role that Bacon played, uh, you know, and, and here, here's something really important, you know, a little inside baseball, and I, I think that it's okay for me, for me to um, share – uh, that uh, is no secret. It is something that has been a common theme on the show, The Curse of Oak Island, since the beginning, which is there seems to be uh, a tradition that goes back probably even pre-Templar uh, of, of of using this spot, this location, uh, <clears throat> to, to secure whatever needed to be secured. I, I think it started right at the very beginning with the Templars uh, coming to America early on. Um, and I, I think it it has continued through all of these traditions. Someone had asked me earlier whether the Templars used these ciphers. They used ciphers, uh, like I said, not necessarily these ciphers, um, but you know there is a tradition there. And so what you have is a place that has had multiple bidder, visitors for multiple purposes, right. and I believe multiple deposits and multiple withdrawals. And uh, and he knew how to. He also knew how to preserve documents. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was known to experiment and this has been on the show. Yep. Uh, he's known to experiment, you know, preserving documents in mercury and, and, and encasing them in lead. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, what do you think of uh, the show so far? It's up to, what is it now? Uh, six episodes. Yeah. Um, what do you, what so is your, uh, season. Of, what do you think is there and what's your opinion?
2: Well, um, you know, just what, what we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, um, you know, the, the work of, uh, like I have, I've, I've been saying right along the work of, uh, Corian Mullin and Chris Morford, um, you know, I, I was, I was lucky enough and honored enough to have Chris Morford send me his initial, uh, proposal and, and theory that he had sent before he sent it into, uh, the Oak Island team and, and had me read it and, and, uh, send him notes. And, um, it is, uh, it was phenomenal, you know? And, and I had tried writing, uh, you know, my own proposal at that point, And I read his, I thought, Oh wow. Uh, I'm about as amateur as you can get. I need to up my game here. Uh, it, that, that's how good it was, you know? And so the quality of their, their, their work, uh, particularly when all of a sudden he and uh, Corian have teamed up and, and the kinds of things that the connections that they're making, um, you know, with, with the menorah at, at Versailles, yep. um, you know, uh, this, this is blockbuster stuff, I think. Right. And, um, I
0: can't you know, wait, till, and I can't wait till they come on when they have the A-OK to let loose. It's driving me crazy, but uh, we
2: all gotta oh, wait yeah. to be patient. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And you know, um, you know, like I said, I ho- hopefully uh, uh, my and Chris's uh, information will be on and the presentation we did with Aaron, uh, and then we can come on again and, and share a lot of our other things. But um, <clears throat> there, there's so much more. There's so much more to be told, and um, I, the real. Uh, and this is, you know, cheesy, and it's been said again, and again on the show itself. But you know, the real treasure there is is, is that camaraderie those guys share. You know, when, when you see them, you know, on TV, and they're just being gracious to people, right. and, being, and it, that's who they are. You know, they, they are candid, uh, very, very uh, authentic people. Well, Christopher's and, in uh, the house. She's in the house. Oh, Chris, yep. how are we doing, sir?
0: <laughs> He says, you're being too kind and too humble, he says. Yeah, I, I just
2: saw his message. Okay.
0: All right. uh, that's not,
2: not true at all, sir. You, you're, you're a giant among men. Um, so um, <laughs> someone just asked, uh, Joe asked, uh, so could these ciphers be turned into longitude and latitude, just thinking out loud? I would say those are good out loud thoughts, John. There you go. There you go. Um, so, you know the what, what's really kind of cool is, um, like I said, uh, a lot of the things that they've been uh, finding this season. Um, you know, last week's ep- episode with with uh, what Aaron did with the cross—the uh, first time she showed that to us—I right. <laughs> I was blown away. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Right. That is so cool!" Um, and so. Uh, it's funny we've uh we've actually talked about that and there are a few uh few other things you might be able to do with that cross, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yep,
0: yeah, it's unbelievable Holland. then I found some pictures from 1930 that I posted on the site. And bo- they were great picks. And boy, was that, that island demolished. You know what I mean? Some people say it's snow, yeah. some people say it's not. But now to go off of boulders now. After you see these pictures of the destruction. Of that side of the island, it blows me away. I don't know if these boulders were buried before. Um, but what I see as far as those aerial photographs, I see nothing there as far as pinpointing go. I don't even see the uh cave in pit, you know what I
2: mean? Yeah, no, it's true, John. I i, I read your comments too when yeah. you posted this picture. I sort of scraped my head, um, I put it all yeah. out there because uh, you know, um. Well, you know, we have to ask those questions, you know, because we have to go with, you know, the factual stuff that we do know, yep. and and that's one of the things that people in Tom's question, uh, Tom Burns' question comes to mind uh, from earlier tonight about confirmation bias, and a part of my deciphering of, of the plaque, I had to decipher anagrams, and um, and that that raises a whole, uh, you know, that opens a can of worms if you're not using a standard operating procedure to make sure that that you're not just being subjective when you find your anagrams. Uh, So I was able to develop that. And and the idea is that when you look at the Island and and you have those kinds of factual, logical questions, uh, we have to ask them. And so I I actually at, there you go. Yeah. Um, It it reminds me of another picture that um, Aaron used um, uh, with our research when we're all talking, and you, you could see where everything was just decimated, um, and so we know for a fact that there were multiple uh, rocks that that had inscriptions or carved carvings or and symbols uh, that were on the island that um, uh, Fred Nolan documented, right? And uh, and you know as as you know, being a surveyor as well, you know. Um, he documented their position, made sure he knew exactly where they were, uh, made notes about uh, what was on them and so on, and then he removed them for safekeeping. Right. You know? Uh, it, and, and then you have, you know, the Dunfield crew coming through with their smash-and-grab operation. Right. Um, that just totally de- devastated the landscape. So, you know, the idea of, of doing that as opposed to following the clues – and, and, and seeing where they lead you, um, you know, that's that, that's one of the things that has always uh, kind of, you know, bothered me a little bit.
0: I hear you. And a lot sure. of times we're talking about like uh, Zia's uh, map about anchor stones. But the term- yeah. my determination of anchor stones as a surveyor, I would say they were benchmarks. I mean, they're not going to hold a, a, a ship at bay, these anchor stones. Right. It is a directional marker or a benchmark to work off of?
2: I, I would agree with that. I, I think that, um, yeah, it, in particular, when um, if you are anchoring a point right, that you're going to use to measure and map an island, absolutely. Right. Uh, I, I think the word can be used in that way. Uh, and and um, Aaron actually talked about that, I, I think. Um,
0: right. Uh, and yeah. Gordon Fader and Joy of Steel, um, they also say those stones that are drilled out, the British military used, and in them holes would be a metal plate. Now, as a surveyor, I used to use what's called peaking nails, the real thick, sharp right. peaking nails that I would work off for my transit from. You know, you put it in a tree right. if you were using a pipe. But they say in the older days, and the British used to drill a hole in the, in the rock, but inside that hole was a metal piece showing uh, degrees, angles, or whatever you have to go off of, which makes sense. The metal would have uh, rotted out, but there's no metal in the holes, but we're talking hundreds of years ago.
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, it totally makes sense. It's very logical, very logical.
0: And then also, of course, my surveyor brain went crazy. When Aaron was going uh, in the war room and Marty was doing the protractor and the cross, right, I'm going, how the heck do these points match this map? And of course, I got a you know PM or because it's driving me crazy. All these things I need answers to is driving me
1: nuts.
0: <laughs> I says, "Well, the scale. Now listen to me, Jake. See if this makes sense. Go for it. The scale of the map has to be the same scale of the cross angles. If Marty's map was a half an inch or eighth inch bigger." the marks of the anchor stone will never cross and hit the cross where the angles of the stones were. Correct. You know what I mean? So the map Correct. that you're going off yeah. has got to be spot on. Oh, yeah. I'm saying.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. I'm
0: saying the scale. And, and, and what you what, said, you know, the show only does so much and they only throw things in there. And that's what I said. Once it's all done, you can explain, yeah. you know, how those points were hit. I mean, I can make a map to make anything hit anywhere you know what I mean?
2: Oh, sure. Sure. And, and, you know, um, Aaron's going to agree with you hundred percent. I, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but yeah. Um, yeah, sure it, already it's did. very easy. Already didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Um, but you know, that part, you know, it, those, those things kind of get edited out and, you know, here she is someone who works with maps for a living. Right. Um, so she'll definitely be able to answer your question. Yeah. For sure. I, I love uh, the maps. Makes sense.
0: I love the maps. I wish, well, maybe in 2021, we we'll get Steve, the surveyor, on here. We we'll go survey to survey and bounce heads on that because Fred Nolan be great. plotted every single thing and it showed maps in some episodes of the hundred of plots that he did. The maps were huge. Yeah. They put them on the floor. I mean, I know Steve has to be going through every one of those plots make.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And, um, you know, funny you s- should say that. I, I, I suspect that because of the proportions of that cross, and it was something that someone, you know, was probably wearing around their neck and would be able to use, on a, I, I would say that they had a standardized way, a standardized um, scale, of the mapping systems they were using. Um, Also, I would like to point out that, um, you know, the scales of of, of measurement uh, of geography uh, of the rod, uh, the chain and the furlong are all based on the number 33. And they were all approved by uh, Queen Elizabeth during her reign. So that was the time of bacon, just kind of throwing that out there. I wonder who came up with that system.
0: Hmm. Unbelievable. I don't know how they do this. I don't know how they figure this all out. It's just has, it's just mind boggling, just very mind boggling.
2: Yeah. Well, I just saw a question about, um, where are we if I've looked at the 90 foot stone, um, I, I and try to decipher it, you know, I've looked at images of it and, um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I have some pretty solid ideas of, of what it is. Uh, the current, interpretation of it, I think, is uh, misinformation. I, I think it's a, a misdirection. Uh, it's my personal opinion. Uh, but the problem is I've o- I'm only looking at images of it that are images that of, of, of other images, of other images.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, there, there's no um, uh, provenance for, for what that image really is. So um, I, I dismissed really trying to even decipher it simply because um, I don't know if what I'm looking at is really authentic. Uh, What I will say is that um, the symbols on it uh, don't look like any kind of pig pen cipher I've ever seen, really. Uh, I would say that it's more – I I would say that if you're going to be looking at the 90-foot stone, if I were you, I would think in terms of mathematical symbols, and in particular the one that looks like an arrow, that's that's a, a symbol of bisecting an angle. I can say that much. I,
0: I like that one interpretation. I mean, I've heard a thousand interpretations, but I says the one about the uh, you got to stop stop the flood tunnels with corn. Corn will stop the flood tunnels, and that sort of struck yeah, that, that's been a theory. It me funny, but yet, well, that has to be doing something. It has to stop the trap. Well, that's what I got to know. That's you got to stop the things to get the thing and receive it if you have it. And um, that was uh, an important little clue, but then I didn't hear anything after that, so.
2: Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, one of the other theories was uh, millet. uh, Lots of other grains uh, have been thrown out there. So, yeah. Uh, Tom just asked another question. Uh, Could the island have been revisited covertly over time and markers replaced or moved? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Here comes the question. questions. Are we, you, you seeing them, Jake? Or you want me to repeat them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm seeing some of them here. Mike says, it's I, easier, "I. Mike says, I wonder if the ciphers are tied in with toroid math, where numbers well, one and yes, yeah. are not quantities, but real, mama me, these guys, are, you guys are mathematicians. I can't even say what the heck they're spelling here.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, Mike, that's that's a great thought. Wow. Um, Thank you. You boy. know, um, yeah, y- you have me thinking because uh, Bacon had a more complex cipher system other than what I just showed tonight. There's, there's one where he has the simple cipher, uh, and he has four alphabets back to back, all the way up to what would it be, uh, ninety six, um, and and one of them, one section of it does deal with you know qualities, uh, in particular uh, the. Um, the seven known planets at the time. So I, I would say that that's a possibility. Sure. Right? Something I hadn't thought of. Great question.
0: You think uh, this Monday, uh, December 21st, when the planets line up for the first time in 800 years, you know where I would want to be right at that moment? Where? If I had to go to Oak Island, that day would be the day I would go and sit in my Jeep and see if a beam of light comes down from a star. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the spot, finally. It took 800 years, but that's the beam. What do you think of that, Jake? How's that for a theory? Uh,
2: I, I love it. I love it. I, um, <laughs> oh, it. It would be a beam of light streaming directly out of the eye of the swamp. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Anyway, it would match up with it would match up with Boots and Cygnus and all the major players. Yeah.
0: Yep. It would match up with everything. <laughs> you know, with Chris's star connection, with everybody, just one yeah. one beam coming out of the spot where the where the stuff is, and that's enough. We had enough, you guys. We tortured you enough. That's where it is. I think yeah. of, I don't know why. I think of those things, but that's the first time in 800 well, years something's lining up. This well, if,
2: if if you believe some of the theorists uh, uh, you would hope that it wouldn't turn out um, like the end of the first Indiana Jones movie,
0: right? <laughs> right. Well, uh, Jake, I want to thank you so much for coming on,
2: John. And it was it was an honor. This was a blast. Like, uh, like I'm saying, uh, I, I love I love watching your show. Uh, I, I think you're awesome, and uh, this is this is great stuff. This is why people watch it. Well, you,
0: I thank you so much. Like I said you to you job. and the rest of the guys. And Tony Sampson said, come sit on my boat with a beer, and we'll find it. Be <laughs> broadhead arrow-shaped. Okay, Tony, I'll get a red eye I' reef tomorrow. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, Tony. Right? You guys with me? Jake?
2: <laughs> Chris, I, I'm, I'm with you.
0: Yeah, we'll go. Oh, my God. But like I said, I want to thank you a lot. Like I said, I want this group to be interactive, which they are. Sometimes they're way over interactive, but I love it. <laughs> and I want, I want these members in this group and you guys to have an outlet to explain your theories in detail. And if you can't, when you can, they always come back and say yeah. what the whole detail is. That's, that's all I did. I'm just sort of passing a message. I'm just the middleman here. And
2: yeah, uh, John, it, it's been great. I, I really appreciate it. Um, And and like I said, you know, just being able to talk about, um, even though I can't talk about all all the stuff I'd really like to talk about, just just talking about uh, something that I'm I'm passionate about and really enjoy doing. Obviously, I'm that big of a nerd. Right. Um, You want to put your book up? This was was a lot of fun. You
0: want to put your book up before we leave there? Uh, Sure. Let me see here. We'll put the book up.
2: I think I'm still logged in over there? Yeah, Yeah, I'm still there.
0: Hold on. Okay.
2: Boop. For it, there you go.
0: There it is, guys. When it comes out, uh, Jake will drop us a line. I'll let you know. We'll let you know what's going on. Sure. There it is, right there, and um. Like I said, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll have to do this more. Appreciate you having me, John. And uh, we'll do. Remember, everybody, always go forward. Always believe in your dreams, no matter how old you are. Just keep it going forward, never backwards. No matter how life treats you, go forward. Be safe. I thank you very much. Good night, everybody.
2: Good night. Merry Christmas. Thanks for your kind words.
0: We'll see you Tuesday before the show on my hyper show before Tuesday night at eight o'clock. Thank you, everybody. Good night now.
2: Great job, John.